so stupid, he comes across in front of me every single time he ever takes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Guaranteed to be less awkward than this week's episode of Off Track, welcome back to Motorsport 101. How dare RJ address the competition? Um, <laughs> hi everybody, I'm back, your friendly neighbourhood host Mr. Andre Harrison and welcome to episode 196 of Motorsport 101. It's been a couple of weeks, I've missed you all, thank you for inviting me back into your homes. Um, it's it, I missed quite a lot in the last week, didn't I? Yeah, <laughs> a whole lot. <laughs> As usual, you could tell we are joined by Mr. Ryan King. Hello, sir. Yes, I too am going to take out one of my co-hosts in a heated racer moment. Don't worry, we'll address this later. Um, <laughs> and, of course, Nashville's finest, Mr. RJ O'Connell. Uh, I only get booted off of projects and heated gamer moments, not heated racing incidents. There's a specific <laughs> difference. Don't worry, I'm still burning all his new garden merch. Um <laughs> Who let you into my house? <laughs> I came in through the back window like any other self-respected arsonist. Um, <laughs> Damn it! I should have always checked the back window. Yep. It's, it's it's always a way. It's always a way. So, before we get into the meat and potatoes of the show, first up... <laughs> um, should we should we have like Uncle Dre catches up on everything over the last week? Um, I feel like that's almost quite appropriate here. First of all, Simon Pagano is fucking awesome. Um, here, here. Dear, dear God, that was a magnificent Indianapolis 500. A magnificent finish. The story of Pagano versus Rossi will go down for years to come. Um, the story of Rossi's race, it, it, like that alone, could be like a five-part Netflix documentary. Quite frankly. Because nothing says angry than driving one-handed at 230 miles an hour, pointed at the other guy for almost killing you and pile driving you into a wall. <laughs> um, Alex Rossi, ladies and gentlemen. Like, does he not know that I'm angrier? Like, I, I, I like that in the last two weeks, like, oh, Alexander Rossi has literally turned into Mark Ruffalo. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> Only nowhere near as nice. <laughs> Like that, like that's just hilarious in its own right. Pagano was bloody magnificent in the entire 500, the entire month of May. Quite frankly, to I love the fact he was in his full race suit, sweeping the yard of bricks because he literally swept the entire month. What a boy! But um, I'm, but I'm pretty sure all the listeners out there, Dre, want to know your thoughts about Monaco. My thoughts on Monaco. Um... Sorry, is this the part where I go into like a five-minute rant about how shit it is? Um, <laughs> I'm sorry to disappoint you, listening listeners, but um, that was an okay Monaco Grand Prix. Like in 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 the heat of the moment and in real time, that was a fine Grand Prix. Like the emotional intensity of Verstappen thinking and ultimately trying and failing to try and beat Lewis Hamilton for the victory in real time, not bad. Never rewatch this race again. It has no replay <laughs> value whatsoever. 
Because otherwise, it was like 2011 levels of bad. Like, but in that one point in time, as you're watching it live, the first viewing, not bad. Not bad at all. And, you know, it, it, we, we got a bit of drama in the pits. We There was a level of emotional, like, drama and tenseness of Verstappen. I mean, don't get me wrong. Lewis Hamilton is such a sniveling crybaby when he's in the lead. It's actually quite sad that a man of his ability is, like, screaming that something is going to go wrong every single time <laughs> that, that he's in the lead. And he's thinking, like, even, like, a small gust of wind is going to ruin his entire weekend. Like, it is actually quite alarming how emotionally fragile he can be. But, uh... uh but, uh, don't get me wrong. We as an audience... Totally bought it. Totally bought it. I have to say as well, um, uh, the the if you have not seen Mercedes' Twitter clip after the Grand Prix of uh, of uh, Hamilton giving his main strategist James a uh, champagne bath, um, go out of your way to see it. It's very funny. Um, <laughs> that's what you get for putting me on the wrong tyres for 60 fucking laps. I think was something was the phrase that he came out with afterwards, and uh, it was hilarious. Um, more of that, please, Mercedes. Like, when you're on it, your social media team is actually very, very good. Um, and, of course, the tributes to Nicky Lauda were beautiful. Um, you know, the, the minute silence was great. The Mercedes video tribute was great. The tribute helmets from Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel were wonderful. Um, and the fact they came up with that at such short notice is uh, is incredible. Um, and it, 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 it shined on TV, even though I have to admit, seeing a giant bright red helmet driving around in a Mercedes at Monaco at breakneck speed reminded me of one Michael Schumacher. Keep fighting, Michael. We st we're still thinking of you. And, of course, uh, rest in peace to the great Nicky Lauda. I'm, again, if you want to hear my extended thoughts on that, there is a video on YouTube uh, where I, I did talk about that in greater detail because I knew I wasn't going to be on last week's um, tapings. Um, just for the record, I know people get tetchy about this sort of thing. That video is completely unmonetized. I did. I don't like to profit on people's deaths um, in any way, shape, or form. I know a lot of people get tetchy about that sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, just I thought I'd, for full disclosure's sake, I thought I'd just say that um, on the record. And thanks to nearly 3,000 of you for watching that, um, which is an incredible response. So thank you for that. Um, it's very, very grateful, and I'm glad that... You know, I'm not, I'm not like I'm not the best monologuer in the world. I'm not Jim Sterling. I'm not the nostalgia critic by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, I'm, I'm glad that some of my words were at least able to resonate with some of you guys, which is fantastic. And I, of course, while I'm still here as well, a massive, massive thank you to everyone that took part in Day of Classics Four as well this past weekend. Um, that might be my favourite one we've done to date, which is amazing, given it was like kind of like small and like uh, like homely this year even though it, it kind of blew up towards the end um we we were basically self-commentating at one point which i don't recommend um in in future but uh it was it was a fantastic time and having that that finish at the end of the 500 where one cam buckley is literally crying his eyes out at the end as his hero simon pagino won his first 500 um you, you you can't write things like that, and and uh, it was it was an incredible time. It was an incredible race. 
Um, I've really got to do better in booking the full day off so I can actually do Monaco as well at the same time because that would have actually been quite interesting to watch um, in real time anyway. But of course, a in particular, a massive, massive thanks to King because he was the he was the guy that put this all together this year. Um, oh, so yes, yes, yes. Um, a uh, round of applause to one Ryan King because he was the, he he was the driving force behind a lot of this this year. He was the guy that 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 worked around Google Hangouts' lack of obvious support, and um, it's been it was it was it was not easy to put this together, but we somehow just about pulled it off. So a salute to the great Ryan King as always. The man really does do the Lord's work without even realizing it half the time. So um, so thanks to that. I think I've just about caught up with everything I wanted to talk about that isn't already on this week's show. Um, in case you haven't seen it already, you can probably guess. Main events, uh, a majestic uh, MotoGP race at Mugello, um, where we had an Italian winner, but probably not the one you're thinking of. Um, and uh, Was it yes. Valentino? <laughs> No. Uh, about that. Um, more on that later. But uh, <laughs> more of that. Um, a, 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 again, a Marquez brother winning again. But again, probably not the one you're thinking of. Or maybe the one you're exactly thinking of. <laughs> Who knows? And Moto3 where we had a fun fact. We had the 11th consecutive different winner in Moto3 in the last 11 rounds. Uh, more on that later. But uh, yes, we did get two Italians winning this weekend. Again, an Italian you might not expect. Um, again, Andrea Davizioso? Guys, guys, don't believe him. It was Valentino. Again, more on that in a bit. Also, we'll be breaking down IndyCar Chevrolet, Jewel in Detroit at Belle Isle. Um, for their, 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 their set of races, I should say. As uh, Two races, one... A, fr- a wet-to-dry thriller with Joseph Newgarden versus Alex Rossi in a dream American middle-aged dogfight for the ages. Um, and a really, really weird thing happening. Penske making a pit mistake. And that was only the second biggest bizarro thing to come out of race one. Also, race two, um, where familiar territory was resorted. Um, again, you can probably guess why. And a former F1 guy was on the podium. But again, it might not have been the guy you were thinking of. And Seriously. Canada got screwed over. Rubens Barrichello. He's still in this, right? <laughs> uh, again, more later. Also, we'll be breaking down some news. Uh, a brand new Nordschleife Lab record to talk about. Um, Imps' Detroit TV. And we're looking ahead to next week as F1 heads to Canada. Um, IndyCar heads to Texas for the 600-kilometer race at Texas. Walt Bikes is back at her F. And the W Series heads to Misano. Fun times indeed. Places you can find us before we move into the meat and potatoes of the show. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101 where you can see... All of Day of Classics 4 in its unscripted, unedited glory. Eight hours long. Now, as much as I'd love to... As much as I've praised Ryan King earlier, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that he forgot that Google Hangouts has an eight-hour time limit and the last five minutes were no longer on air and cut off. Don't stop for Ryan King, everybody. (laughs) I didn't know. And plus... NBC's pre-ratio for the Indianapolis 500 was so long that there wasn't time for an intermission this year. Oops. 
It means it means you've got to appreciate Danica Patrick's dulcet tones for longer. There's no complaints here. <laughs> I would now put Danica I'm amazed that and I'm, dulcet tones in the same frame. I'm just amazed that uh, that they could swing uh, at NBC putting a Sega character on a, on an actual television broadcast. People who've played Sonic and All Stars Racing Transformed will understand this. Very much so. Very much so. So again, you can check out all of Day of Classics 4 in full in eight hours of glory on YouTube there. It's our top-rated video. Nearly a thousand of you have watched over the course of that of that show. So thanks, everybody, for that. Um, we're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. And our personal handles, you can find us at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, and at RJ O'Connell. Also, if you have any ideas for episode 200 which we are rapidly approaching, um, get in touch. You know, you should, I am listening. Although Vic's idea of us all growing porn stashes was definitely ignored. Um, <laughs> and King doesn't want to do the one chip challenge. I, I, I'm going to regret asking this. What's the one chip challenge? So it's basically a, uh, it's basically they send you a single chip that is basically uh, ghost pepper flavored. Uh, oh no! <laughs> if you've seen if you've seen the inside the NBA skit where Shaquille O'Neal bets Charles Barkley twenty dollars that he would eat it and not make a face, oh no! I've seen I've seen that, and now I know what you're referring to. That sounds like hell. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, again, if you got ideas for episode two hundred, get in touch. And if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Motorsport101. $5 gets you early access to all of our shows before they go out. Um, and if you really, really like us even more, you can back us at a $10 level. You get into the supporters club of our Discord server where you can listen to these shows live before they go out. With us right now, we have Henry in, we have Jason, we have our man from Bike Live, Lewis Sotheby in the chat, everybody. Hey! Let's see you, Lewis. Cam's here, Brian's here as well, and Vic. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you guys enjoy the show tonight. Um, it's a MotoGP episode, so we can never go wrong with those, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> so that's a fun time for all involved. And, of course, you can check out all our details on our website, motorsport101.com. Enough for me, for about 30 seconds anyway. Here's a quick musical break, and then when we come back, we'll get into our main event of the evening, the MotoGP Italian Grand Prix at Mugello. Well, hell well, feathers. Like, King, I know you were thinking about an Italian winning on home home so- soil, but uh, the, the, the most likely option didn't happen. The second most likely option didn't happen. And Valentino Rossi didn't win either. God damn it. I thought... <laughs> got my hopes up. <laughs> so let me get this straight. Like, like, was your soul deeply prepared for a Valentino Rossi victory? Yes, I just I just wanted to see the chaos. Just, like, yellow flares everywhere. I love that they made a big campaign last year about not having flares, like, near the circuit to distract the riders, and then everybody brought flares <laughs> in the Rossi section anyway. That's and the Marquez section, to be fair. And as well. That's like, as a that's as Italian sporting as uh, well. There are some uh, there are some other aspects of Italian sport that we hmm, rather rather mm. just uh, leave to the side. It's fine. It's fine. <clears throat> um, but uh, yes, um, so I thought that was fun more than anything else. We'll, we'll break down Rossi's not so good weekend in a minute. But uh, 
we have to talk about one of, I'd argue, one of the real feel-good stories of motorsport, I'd say, so far in 2019. And a first-ever Grand Prix victory for Danilo Petrucci, everybody. Yeah! Um, Finally did it. (laughs) I love that even, like, the totally unbiased... crew of BT Sport like Neil Hodson was commentating the main race and he even was like yes as Petrucci went over the line to beat Marquez by four hundredths of a second um, in the end and like this like King was one of the real emotional feel good wins of the year so far I would say yeah where it was it was almost like people I wouldn't say put up blinders but kind of like forgot that him and Davi are teammates, where it's like, yeah, they're gonna fight it to, fight it out to the line, I hope Danilo could beat Davi. <laughs> yeah, it's like, we, I think we, I think especially after Le Mans a couple of weeks ago, where, where Petrix tried to beat Davi a couple of times, you know, put some audacious um, lunges, or, or tried to make his way around, and then didn't do it, and we were all just screaming at our screens, Mapping eight, fellas. Mapping eight. <laughs> like we know, we know where this is going. Um, and you know, we all kind of expected it to play out that way, given that much has been made of Petrucci's future within that team, um, and especially with the rumours getting louder and louder this weekend that uh, Jack Miller is apparently first in line as a potential replacement for 2020. Ooh, and um, Jack Miller did not have a great ending to the Italian Grand Prix. Yeah, how'd that turn out? <laughs> um, in the leading group, running fifth, drops it. I don't think Jack Miller has ever finished a race at Mugello. I, no, I, I, no, I saw we we watched the race live together, and you said there was a leading group of five bikes, and I was like, Dre, Jack Miller isn't a contender, and you're like, how could you say that? And then like a couple of quarters later, he drops the bike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not. Pr- I, I I'm not proud of me for this one. It's like. I love Jack Miller. Like I, I scream "Welcome to Jackass" every time he does something awesome. I love it. Uh, Jack Miller is a meme on Motorsport 101. We love Jack. We really do. And of course, he bins it two corners after I show an ex- explicit amount of faith in him. Way to go, Jack. Way to put egg on my face. Um, okay, take, take that back from Henry. He did finish in fifteenth place in 2017. So it's safe to say, Miller's track record at Mugello isn't great. He's crashed yeah. literally every other time he's raced at Mugello. And he had a special um, livery for this race, too, to celebrate Lamborghini, but also Australian sport. Yep. It was beautiful. It's like... It's it, it it was it was a black and yellow number. It was a, it was a tribute to Lamborghini. They had the Lamborghini logo on the side. Yeah, I love it. I love when Pramac break out that yellow and black livery just for Mugello. It's a beautiful thing. It's a work of art. Uh huh. You um, know what it is. And uh, <laughs> very good. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it it got ruined. Uh, yes, I would happily like to see it full time, Henry, in the Discord server. Yes, sir. I would like. We need more yellow on the grid in general. Like, no Valentino Rossi fan club. I'm not talking about you. Um, but uh, some more Bumblebee liveries in in the field, please, please, and thank you. Um, but the story of the race itself was incredibly intriguing in that, like, it was a leading group of five. I mean, it, it was as big as eight or nine at one point. You know, we had guys like Maverick Vinales and Cal Crutchlow and Takanakagami that was in the mix. Um, but 
by the time we got to the last eight to ten laps, it was a clear leading group of four. It was Petrix, Marquez, Dovi, and Alex Rins, who had started 13th on the grid. Um, yeah. And carved his way up into the lead in pack in the first four I, or five laps. I, he officially so, led lap 10. Yeah, he he was in the lead at lap 10. I like I have a feeling he was able to get through the field solely because, you know, in a pack of bikes, they can't go as fast as, you know, in a pair. Uh, because it showed when, you know, that leading group of five broke away and pretty much on every straight, the group would kind of leave Alex Rins away because the Suzuki had no acceleration and no top end speed, but he made it all back in the corners. Yeah, like, Suzuki have made quite the bike in that, like, they're well documented, um... Their well-documented lack of top-end speed is a thing, but their turning and their apex speed is so good. Alex um, Rins out here riding for Fiasar, folks. <laughs> no, no kidding. Like, like their turning angle is 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 incredible, and they were able to just cut people up left, right, and center. They were, you know, siving through people. It was it was ridiculous, and that's how Rins got from thirteenth to the front in a handful of laps, and. As Cam points out, this is basically what the old Yamahas used to be super good at. Their apex speed, their cornering speed, their smoothness on exit, on, on power delivery. That was all key Yamaha traits. And that seems to be what Suzuki's gathering right now. Rins, maybe if he had a better grid position and a clear run, if he could have gotten maybe that half-second advantage to break the toe, um, maybe that would be a beautiful thing. As Lewis points out in the server, Rins has not started a Grand Prix from, from the front two rows all season. His best was seventh in terms of his best qualifying results so far this year. It seems to be a bit of a Suzuki growing pain is that their ultimate one lap speed doesn't seem to be there compared to the real heavy hitters. But uh, yeah, that race thing we mentioned that he started seventh, that was the one he won at the Circuit of the Americas. Um, so, so yeah, we all know Rins has got the race pace for it. But uh, yeah, these qualifying speed might be letting him down in certain areas. A shame, but still a brilliant performance from him. But as we got to the, like, we got to the final lap, King, and we had maybe the highlight of the season so far. Picture the scene: it's the final lap of the race. We're coming down the main straight. Marquez has been saving a two-bike slipstream move for the final lap. He shoots past Dovi and Petrix over the line, and again, props to Lewis and the social media team for pointing this out. Free wide into turn one. At 350 kilometers an hour. Like, <laughs> um, I have no idea where Mark Marquez pulled that move out of. Because it seemed like every other run down the turn one early in the race, it's it seemed like, oh, Ducati have the clear advantage. Even in the slipstream, Marquez could keep up. But there's no way he could actually attempt an overtake, right? Right? Wrong! <laughs> right, wrong! No, he, he threaded the needle. I thought they were all going to wreck when I saw this. It was, if anyone remembers the Jaref incident between Dovi Lorenzo and Pedrosa last year, we were maybe six inches away from total disaster on that one. It was it was free wide through the apex of turn one, and 
Dovi was in the middle of a very bright red and orange sandwich that he had to back off. Um, otherwise, it would have been total curtains. But like, Petrucci was completely committed to the apex of the inside of turn one. Marquez had planted it around the outside, hoping he could steer the bike back in. He very nearly got away with it. Um, Dovi had to back off in the middle. Petrix had the exit speed to come back and take the lead through turn two. But we, we were this like we were millimeters away from disaster. Um We were millimeters skill. away from a shock Alex Rins victory. Again, all this <laughs> at 350 clicks. That's about 220 in American money. That's fast. 200, 217 miles an hour. Um may I point out. Um Unbelievable skill from all three, like, like superhuman stuff from all three of them to have that sort of level of skill and, and just threading the needle on such a level. It was magnificent racing. Huevos. Petr <laughs> uh, yeah, Petrix was able to hold on. Marquez claiming he was defending from third while, um, for the way. Total bullshit. Um, <laughs> like, man was man was sideways through San Donato trying to find the way around Petrix, but couldn't do it. Uh, Petrix coming over the line, winning by just four hundredths of a second. Only half a second covered the top four going over the line. Um, Petrix, Marquez, Dovi, and Rins the top four. Danilo Petrucci's first ever Grand Prix victory. Um, and I think only the seventh man to ever win a Grand Prix who didn't win a race in the junior categories. Um, some fun facts here. It was it was seven months, seven years, seven months and 17 days since Petrucci last won a race. And that was the 2011 Superstock 1000 season at Portimao. Props to Simon Patterson for that one. Um, but uh, yeah, we all forget, and this is probably part of what makes Petrucci's story so great, was he was he did not come up the ladder the conventional way. He was a Super Stock 1000 guy, way down on the world superbike ladder. And he was he got the miracle import to, to, to he was a MotoGP test rider at one point. He got a full time gig with the IOTA bike. Now, if you remember the IOTA, this was during the CRT era. Um, this was during like the CRT era of MotoGP when the claiming rules were in effect, where you could basically Frankenstein's monster a bike um, from scratch, um, and they were dramatically inferior. The IOTA was a dog compared to everything else in MotoGP, but he stuck around. He did the very best he could. He never really kicked up a, a, a fuss, never kicked up a stink. Got an opportunity with Pramac. Um, you know, did you know? Did really well. Had a had a had a very hungry teammate in Scott Redding. Outperformed him. You know, got the opportunity to go to the, the factory team to replace Lorenzo as he went to Honda, and he's finally got his first Grand Prix. And, and, this, and as Henry points out, he was a near miss for a lot of wet races for quite a while. He was he had this reputation of being a real wet weather specialist. He, you know, almost won at Misano a couple of years ago. Would nearly very nearly won at Silverstone back in 2014. Mm -hmm. um, you know, nearly won at Assen in the past when it rained. Like. Petrucci has been in and around the mix now for quite a while, and he's 
very, 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 you know, very much been in the mix. I mean, as mentioned, when Jack Miller won that miracle race at Assen a couple of years ago, Petrucci was the guy who was third that day. Um, you know, last year, like a couple of years ago at Assen when it rained, he only lost out to Valentino Rossi because he got held up by traffic. He's been very unlucky not to have won a race by now, and he finally, finally did. The tears are on full display. We could all see just how much it meant to a guy that the entire paddock adores. Like, he is a comedian. He is a ridiculously funny yet humble man. <laughs> He's had to work so hard to get to this point, and I don't think there was a single man in the paddock who wasn't delighted for him. Um, <laughs> you know, um, a, a real happy, feel-good win and a real beautiful story. Um, and of course, not to mention Italian winner in on, on, on Italian land. Who's not? Who's complaining? No one in yellow. On Italian bike, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not bad outcome by any stretch. Um, <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but a, a a wonderful, beautiful win for Danilo Petrucci. Um, again with Marquez. Again, just narrowly missing out on a win by a bike length or so. 0 0.04 over the line in second. Dovi was pushed down to third. Again, a, an idea of just how humble Petrucci was. He profusely apologised for his move at turn <laughs> one because it cost Dovi second. Oh, man. <laughs> I know, cost him four uh, points. And he actually vowed, I will do everything to help Dovi win the championship. Oof. <sighs> you know, funny Yay for team orders, everybody. Funny thing, um, this one put him put Petrucci right in the thick of the championship fight. When we go over our points, uh, our point standings at the end of this wrap up. Remember, this is the guy that got out of the way for Valentino during his title scandal in 2015. So I can't say I'm surprised. Petrux is just that. He's just that guy. He's so humble and nice. It's actually sickening sometimes. <laughs> Um, and again, as Lewis points out, he'd actually dedicated the win to his teammate who said, and I quote, adopted me like a child over the winter. Oh, um, <laughs> he's the nicest man on earth, you know, I can't, I, he's, this is a guy that's like, I'm going to play the team orders card. And I'm like, I can't be mad at him. He's such a nice bloke. He's, he's <laughs> nice. He works hard. He's, he's, he's almost stubborn at fault because a right hurt. Um, he's a team player. Oh, man. I'm so happy for Danilo. I really am. Me too. Delighted for him. He's always been an incredibly likable, humble fella in the paddock. And again, like I said, I don't think there was a single person in the paddock that wasn't delighted that he finally got a Grand Prix win um, under his belt. And hopefully it won't be the last either because he's more than good enough to win to win many a Grand Prix. And uh, yeah, I'm glad he finally got his, he got his moment in the sun. Um... <laughs> Again, I think Marquez will gladly take second in the context of the championship. He's extended his lead over Andrea De Vizioso to 12 points now with that. So I don't think Marquez will be too disappointed with second. He was quite happy with that on the podium afterwards. Dovi in third. More points lost for him in the fight against Marquez. Yeah, that's uh, not looking too good. Though, Dre, I think we need to talk about my rider of the day. Who could that be? It's Takanakagami. You used to, I'm, you're probably thinking I was going to say Paul Spagaro, but no, Takanakagami. Taka top is coming, motherfucker. <laughs> Taka, top independent in fifth place for the LCR Honda team. That is a brilliant performance from Takanakagami. Like, 
This is a guy that very low-key has been doing the Lord's work all season long, just consistently having strong finishes. He had, I mean, he had his first DNF of the year um, at Le Mans a couple of weeks ago, which is a real shame, but he's been in the points every other round this season, and this was a career-high finish for Takanakagami in the top five for the first time in his career on a one-year-old Honda. Brilliant performance from Taka. He was on his own in fifth place, um, and... Beat some very established, much-hyped names along the way here um, as we run down the order in a minute. But yes, Takanakagami, arguably rider of the day in fifth place. A brilliant performance from him on the LCR Honda. I feel Again, like a podium is going to come here by the end of the season. <laughs> Wet race, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Possibly even maybe. in the dry. He's not. He was only six seconds off the win. I mean, it's not... It's 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 doable. I mean, the way this season, I mean, if Paulus Bagro can beat him within range of a podium, there's no reason to think Waitaka <laughs> can't get there too. Um, no disrespect, King. Um, <laughs> but uh, running down order a little bit here, I'll, I'll stop. I'll, I'll I'll stop and make some notes of it as we go down. Maverick Vinales in sixth again. Never really anywhere all weekend long um, on this one. This is one of his better weekends, amazingly, um, for Maverick, who must be feeling a bit hot under the collar given his uh, Yamaha status and the continued rumours about one Fabio Quattararo. More on that in a minute. In seventh. It's the sound of the police. The only the good cop. <laughs> the world's fast, the world's fastest policeman, McKinney Pirro, in seventh place on the third mission win now, Ducati. Um, and also breaking news that came through today: he'll be filling in at World Superbikes as well at Misano as a wild card alongside Michael Ruben Rinaldi in the Barney team. So that'll be cool to Ooh. see. Uh, <laughs> McKaylee in World Superbikes later this season. Keep an eye on that. Also, again, as, as Lewis pointed out, very neatly knocked out his teammate Dovi because they both had to go through Q1 together. Oh Jesus! Whoops. How many people? How many heavy hitters had to come through Q1 just to get in the top half? Rins, Rossi, Dovi, and I think like um, Piro were all in Q1. It was it, it was ridiculous. Good lord. And, Lorenzo was in there too. Um, God, Shane's in Indianapolis. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the, it was uh, a murderer's row of talent in Q1, uh, to say the least. Crutchlow in eighth had a big flat spot on the rear of his tyre some, somehow. I do, I do not know how that became a thing. He ended up finishing 14 seconds off the win. Paul Spagaro once again doing the Lord's work on that KTM in ninth place. I, I, given that every other KTM was nowhere. <laughs> that is an incredible feat. Polis Spargaro um, was top 10 in the championship. Let this yeah, again. Lord's work. He's, can, he, can he please be the new CEO? KTM, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Polis Spargaro is whooping that ass. He is doing a brilliant, brilliant job. Um, it's, uh, it's very, very impressive indeed from Polis Spargaro. Um, Indeed, so nine. Fabio Quattararo, who very nearly stole pole position, had the all-time fastest ever lap of, of Mugello for about five minutes before Marquez used Dovi for a toe to steal pole position. <laughs> like, Marquez out here playing four-dimensional chess. Um, Fabio Quattararo, whew. That lap round 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 of Mugello was absolutely stellar. This kid is the absolute real deal. Um, don't let the seventeen seconds off the win fool you. Um, 
Yamaha were all extra struggleicious this weekend. Maverick even getting in the top six was a surprise, mm-hmm. quite frankly. Um, Alicia Spagaro on the Aprilia in 11th, Joanne Mir 12th, Jorge Lorenzo continuing his struggles in 13th place, Carol Abraham in 14th, Andrea Ianoni gets the last of the points in 15th, ahead of two KTMs, Miguel Oliveira, and Johan Zarco was the last finisher over the line. 41 seconds off the uh, win. <laughs> King, get your mans. Um, Y'all got passed by the the motorcycle equivalent of 0.0 wins above replacement Carol Abraham <laughs> on a tri-track straight up. And then beaten by nearly 15 seconds. Um, King, what's up with your mans? Oh, God. I, I think... I think- the bike not be for him. I mean, the bike is pretty bad, but I don't think it's for many people. You know, funny thing, there's uh, there's dirt sheet reports about another rider whose bike isn't for him. <laughs> Who could that be, I wonder? Um, as mentioned, five DNFs, well, six technically. Tito Rabat didn't even get out of the opening lap as if Inti had a technical problem. Um, uh, on the sighting lap, and they couldn't they couldn't actually start the race. Um, Jack Miller, as mentioned, crashed with eight to go um, on the Pramac. Francisco Bagnaia, he crashed as well with 12 to go. Hafiz Siren had a technical DNF. Frankie Morbidelli crashed uh, um, early on. And, uh, oh, I've not mentioned one Valentino Rossi yet, have I? Um... Yeah. He's important uh, here, isn't he? Well, let's just say it's Magello, the land he made his own, and uh, was nowhere to be found. Qualified in 18th, um, was caught up in an incident with Mir where he had to cut across the grass. It dropped him to the back of the field and then crashed out on his own from 22nd. And had a DNF. Oh, God. I think Rossi said himself after the race, it was one of the worst weekends of his Grand Prix career. And he snapped his leg here a few years ago, if you recall. <laughs> 2010. Yeah, he he shattered his leg here, but he said straight up, one of the worst weekends um, that uh, he's had in his GP career. He crashed out of 21st place and... A, a catastrophic weekend for Valentino Rossi that pretty much eliminates him from title contention at this point. Not that he was probably really going to be in there and anything. I mean, as Lewis points, Lewis pointed out here again, it's a comedy of errors. Ran off in FP3 and missed the top ten. Then left it too late in Q1 and missed the checkered flag by a second. Um, so he qualified in 18th and then got caught up with Mir in the early goings of the race. And then crashed on his own anyway from 21st. This is like a, Tiger missing the cut at 17 over par. Yeah, it's oof, it's it, it was all sorts of ugly, to say the least. Um, all sorts of ugly. Uh, not pretty at all on that one. Uh, so Valentino Rossi, nowhere to be seen on, on the mecca of Italian sports right there this weekend. Not even a podium celebration off like off the podium in private afterwards like he normally gets. And uh, as yeah, as Lewis points out again as well, they were over 10 miles an hour off some of the fastest bikes in the speed traps. Um, all weekend long, they were about 10 MPH off the Yamahas. Startling, um, the speed difference. It's like they've gone too far the other way in their development. They have no power in their bikes now. It is... 
it is crazy how many how many errors they had. Speaking of speeds, the Vizioso broke the all-time MotoGP speed record this weekend with 356.7 kilometers an hour in free practice two. That's 221 miles an hour in Queen's English. Holy shit. <laughs> oh, wow. God, these bikes are so fast and so terrifying. I do not want to ride one of these. <laughs> they cracked. You're cracking 220 MPH on these things now. That is, like, it's actually a little bit off Crutchlow's estimate where he thought someone was going to go over 360 clicks which is 225 miles an hour. Um, so we're not quite there yet, but uh, we're not a million miles off if Dovi can get to 221 MPH. Um, in ridiculous speed. Like a 300 horsepower, 160 kilo bike with a bump in the middle. Um, 221 MPH. Let that thought sink in for a while. Championship standings. Um, we'll go real quick. Marquez now leads by 12, as mentioned earlier. 115 points. Um, he's 12 ahead of Andrea De Vizioso on 103. He still has not finished a Grand Prix level in four full season. Um, the consistency is there from Dovi. Might need to start thinking about some more wins, mind you. Mm-hmm. Alex Rins still third on 88 points. He's, on, he's, he's down to 88 now um, after a... Cup, a pair of mediocre Grand Prix by Rinzi standards now, I guess. Um, 27 off the top now. And in fourth, now, is the Nino Petrucci. On 82 points, he's fourth overall, 33 off the top. But as already promised, he said he is going to do everything to help Dovi win the title. Good luck with that, mate. That's all I'm going to say. Um, but a nice win for me. He's up to fourth overall on 82 points. Rossi down to fifth on 72 points with his first DNF of the year. Then it's a 30-point gap back to best of the rest, Jack Miller in sixth on 42. Tied with Crutchlow, who's also on 42. Then Maverick and Takanakagami both on 40 points each in eighth. And then Paul Despagger rounding off the top 10 with 38 points. Um, so, yeah. If you haven't seen it already, go out of your way and see it. It was a magnificent race. It was a good race damn race. Sh- it was a good race. Oh, yeah. It was a 10 out of 10 classic. That's one you can w- happily watch again. That was a brilliant Grand Prix. A ton of drama from start to finish. Um, a brilliant exhibition of what this sport is. An, an emotional, legitimate story being told in two wheels in 40 minutes. Breakneck speed ridiculous skill on display a, a wide variance of bikes and riding styles at the front it was a joy to watch um i said go out of your way to see it a uh, a, a brilliant brilliant race not so much for moto 2 <laughs> 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 gotta be honest here folks um not a not the nicest rate race in the world there was a couple of you know, one-on-one fights here and there, but not exactly mind-blowing. Mm. Um, the Dynavolt team t- took the whole shot with uh, Luti and Schrotter, but their tyres did not hold on, which ultimately cleared the way for back-to-back wins for Alex Marquez, ladies and gentlemen. Hooray! Marquez um, is on the streak! <laughs> and and Mark was the one that broke it. <laughs> I raised it. Like, we were on a free-race Marquez winning streak, um, dating back to two weeks ago. Um... <laughs> Marquez going, Alex Marquez going back to back for the first time in his career since 2014, Good the year he won the Moto3 Championship, um, where he won at Catalina and Assen back to back. 
believe it or not. Um, he won by just under two seconds from Luca Marini. Nice to see him back on the podium. And again, in the gorgeous Sky VR46 Tricolor livery for the weekend. Red, white, and green. Red on one side, green on the other. Beautiful work from the Sky VR46 team, as always. Lovely stuff. And uh, Thomas Luti would round off the podium in third, ahead of Lorenzo Baldazzari, who's uh, broken his own streak of literally winning it or binning it. Um, fourth for him to keep the championship lead. Good fans, balance. Yeah, balance. We've got to get there somehow. Augusto Fernandez in fifth. Enea Bastianini in sixth. Great ride from him for the on the Italians from the rookie. Ahead of Jorge Navarro in seventh. Marcel Schrotter eighth. Sam Lowe's ninth. And Fabio Di Antonio, who got in a hell of an accident in, in, in the first lap of the race. He was taken off the road from somebody else's accident. He, he, he got back on and recovered and finished in tenth. Great ride from him. Ahead of Piscini, Vierge, Remy Gardner, Tetsuya Nagashima, and... The highest-ranking KTM of Brad Binder in 15th place. King, no really, get your mans. Um, uh, time, time to, like, not be here anymore. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it makes you feel any better, I've heard a lot of strong rumors that Binder will be in MotoGP next year instead of if he's siren, if that makes you feel any better. It won't improve anything. <laughs> <laughs> Kids, what you're listening to me right now is the sound of King giving up on existence. <laughs> um, <laughs> like it, it's it's not a happy time in the KTM camp at the moment. Everybody, still a lot of work to do where that's concerned. But yeah, Binder, like I'm hearing strong rumours he's going to be in GP next year with the uh, Tech Free team alongside the, the dentist Miguel Oliveira, his old teammate from his Moto Two days. Nice. So that, I guess I guess that's fun. You know, I guess um, on that one. Um, championship standings in Moto2. Baldazari leads now by two points ahead of Alex Marquez. He's now up to second. And Thomas Luti only another two points back himself on 84. Jorge Navarro still in the mix on 73, 15 points off the top ahead of Marcel Schrotter on 64. Luca Marini with 58. Augusto Fernandez with 54. Anaya Bastianini now eighth in the championship um, on 45. Um, Remy Gardner on 41, and Brad Binder clinging on to the top 10 in 10th place with 39. How did he pull that off again? <laughs> Goodness only knows. Um, also, go watch Moto3. Um, Moto3 Bajello is always a biblical event. Yeah. And uh, how about the top 8 covered by 0.5 of a second? And this being relatively tame for Moto3 at Magello standards. Yeah, how about the um, podium covered by 78 <laughs> one-thousandths of a second? Yes, and uh, a, a, another brand-new first-time winner, Tony Arbolino, everybody. Hooray! Um, a, a brilliant ride from him, stealing it off the line. I mean, Lorenzo Porta was really the story of the Grand Prix. He dominated the majority of the front running, but... Uh, it looked like that Laporta was going to win it off the last corner. He had a few bike lengths in hand, but Arbolino off the toe was able to pinch it on the line by 29 thousandths of a second. And as RJ alluded, 78 thousandths covering the entire top three. Arbolino, Dallaporta, and Jalmasia in third, in, in third place to get a nice 16 points from him. Nicolo Antonelli in, f in fourth. Dennis Foggia in fifth. John McPhee in sixth, who I'm still impressed that Hume was able to commentate with his trousers around his ankles because, dear God, the McPhee fest is becoming insufferable. <laughs> BT, cut it the fuck out, please, for the love of God. Like, 
You're only going to disappoint yourselves when John McPhee doesn't win anything. <sighs> but he's already won Honestly. something earlier this season. I was as surprised as you were. <laughs> Aaron Canet was 7th ahead of Tatsuki Suzuki in 8th again. 0.5 covering the top 8 over the line. Celestino Vietti 9th, Darren Binder 10th, Rafa Fernandez 11th, Albert Arenas 12th, Sergio Garcia, not the golfer, 13th, Jumpman Cornfile in 14th, and Makai Yachenko rounds off the points in 15th place. Uh, keep an eye out for that and Menio Fanati crash. By the way, that was a uh, that was fun. Um, but uh, championship standings: Aaron Cannett still leads the way on 83 points. He's now three points ahead of Porter in in second, who still hasn't won a Grand Prix yet, but has had three second places. Um, he's on 80. Um, Nicolo Antonetti on 70. Jal Messia on 65. Vietti. Um, on 52, ahead of Arbolino, now on 51 in 6th, ahead of Kaito Toba, who's also on 51, Countback will come into play there, McPhee in 8th on 44, Mino on 40, and Gabby Rodrigo um, in 10th with 37. Again, a great Moto3 race at Mugello, go out of your way to see, and it's not even the best one in recent times. I think they said the other day, if they... If you combined, I think, the eight Moto3 races we've had at Mugello, the combined winning distance, I think, works out at 0.3 of a second. Wow. <laughs> combined. Also, one more fun fact before I get out of Dodge. It's the 11th different Moto3 winner in a row, dating back to last season. So, follow, follow this trend. From Thailand last year, Fabio Di Giantonio... Then Marco Bezzecchi, Albert Arenas winning that classic at Phillip Island. Jorge Martin winning the final round of the championship in Sepang. Sorry, so Sepang. And then Chan Onsu's epic win at Valencia in the rain. Remember that one already. Clacto Toba winning the opening race in Qatar. Then Jal Messia, Aaron Canet, Nicolo Antonelli for the... For the uh, Simoncelli team, John McPhee last time out at Le Mans, and now Arbolino's first ever GP win means we've now had a streak of 11 different winners in Moto3 dating back through last season. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff indeed. Um, a, a tremendous weekend of racing. Um, and uh, all, all round. Um, in, uh, in, in MotoGP. Go out of your way to see if you haven't already. Um, just mute any time humans on the mic, quite frankly. Um, <laughs> after this fit musical interview, we'll be back to talk about IndyCar's Jewel in Detroit. Let's get into IndyCar. Double your money. Detroit. That's it. Double or nothing, folks. <laughs> Double or nothing. Double or nothing, indeed. It's going. It's going to be a fun one here, folks. Um, <laughs> I, I'm really, really looking forward to this one. I really am. Um, there, 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 there was drama all weekend long in Detroit, and it was it was glorious to watch in real time. Um, we'll get into race one first of all, King. I mean, it it, it started wet, very wet, <laughs> moist, so wet they couldn't run, <laughs> so wet they couldn't run. There was a, a good hour long plus rain delay before we could finally get going on wet tires. Single file behind the safety car, they had to reduce it to a seventy five minute timed race 
rather than the full 70 because they, they knew there was no way we're getting the full 70 laps in, in the rain. And they couldn't even um, get in all 75 minutes under the uh, under the broadcast window at NBC. They had to move the uh, the final rate the final few minutes to cable. Yes, they had they had to move it because they couldn't they couldn't get it in the broadcast slot basically. So that was fun. Um, but it was a wet to dry thriller, and as the track dried out, King, and I have to get, I have to say some props to a mixed bag of NBC broadcasting over the weekend, but they stuck with Marco Andretti for an entire lap. He was the first guy to blink and put slick tires on as the track was still probably two to three laps away from the crossover point, shall we say? Yes. And, uh, so, essentially, the strategy that Brian Herta came up with was that they would pretty much pit in the changeable conditions to switch on the slicks in the hopes not only that they'd be able to be fast out there but also that a caution would be thrown because someone would put it on a wall right someone eventually and did but we need to go his outlap is insane <laughs> yeah it didn't work the field didn't pack back up like andretti was hoping for because it, if it had worked it would have put marco in the top three most likely no no, um, no. Some- it, it didn't pack back up like not like he wanted to it didn't pack back up like how it's supposed to be done in the rule book because pit lane because dre you know pit lane closes when they throw a yellow flag Mm -hmm. they decided to open up pit lane before the field packed back up so marco didn't gain any advantage why is indycar make this shit up as they go along (laughs) (laughs) like as henry points out it's like they were trying to protect the leaders here it was a bit of a weird one, to say the least. I've also heard um, that it was supposed to be like, we want to try and make sure we get this race in in the time limit, but like, you're already on a time limit. Yeah, you're already on a time limit. Like, the race ends when the time runs out. It doesn't matter how many laps are in the green, the race ends when the time runs out. <laughs> a real shame that uh, Marco's killer gamble did not pay off, as, as intended. But if you have not seen it, go on IndyCar's YouTube channel and find the onboard clip of uh, Marco driving on slicks. They again, they like the slicks on a very wet track. Um, they stuck with him for the entire race. It was it was trip. It was the entire the entire lap, I should say. Um, and it it was tremendous car control. Tremendous. Um, you, you have to see it. I mean, these guys don't get paid enough. And uh, oh boy, like, he, like Marco nearly lost it three or four times over. He was getting wheel spin in fourth gear. In a straight line. I mean, that's that's how much torque these cars have got, how much power they're putting down on the road, and uh, in in far far from ideal conditions. Go out of your way to see it. Um, it was a tremendous exhibition of of, of of car control from Marco Andretti. Well, well worth the price of admission alone, quite frankly. Um, but the track dried out in the end, and by the time it all shook out and everyone was on slicks. We got a dogfight for the win, and it was the uh, it was the young American uh, pile driver face off, which we'll get to in just a second. But uh, in that reshuffle, <coughs> there was two Bizarro incidents here, as RJ alludes to in the set list. Bizarro incident one. Yeah, Penske makes a mistake in the pit lane. Will Power comes out of the pits on three wheels. They uh, they didn't tight, tighten enough the uh, the right front. Uh, the mechanic knew that it wasn't tight. They sent him out anyway, 
willpower makes it three wide coming out of pit exit. Uh, and then he drives off and loses his right front. <laughs> but in a, in a desperate attempt to jump the queue, he, he lost the front wheel. He lost, he lost the front right. And he had to limp it back around the pits on three wheels, which led to a brother, a, a Harrison brother chant of three wheels on your wagon and I've got nowhere to go. Um, from us, um, we are highly mature people. I'm 27 in August, may I add. Um, but uh, yet, here we are. They, they, they couldn't tighten the nut properly. Uh, get, get your jokes in now. And uh, yeah, it dropped it dropped uh, power to the, to the back of the field and then his car died anyway, which, oh dear, just power's miserable season just continues. Just wretched luck all round. But that was somehow was only like the second craziest uh, Bizarro Land incident. Bizarro incident number two. For the first time in five years, Scott Ditson drops it on his own. He doesn't get punted. He just clips the inside of a barrier and straight lines it into the tires. Quote, had too much grip. <laughs> End quote. <laughs> He gave us the Chanok Nisani excuse when he test drove that Minardi. The car's got too much grip, you guys. Um, yeah, like Dixon somehow overestimated his apex speed and hit the hit the inside barrier. We've got a great view of it from Felix Rosenquist's onboard from his teammates. Um, and uh, yeah, Dixon breaks the tow line, goes straight into the wall, can't save it. And as mentioned, for the first time in four years, Dixon has a self-oops. Um, and was out of the race. Um, he finished stone dead last in the end as a result of that. So, hey, Bizarro Land pays off, everybody. Um, but, uh, yeah, Dixon puts it in the wall, and we're like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> what the hell just happened? Petsy can't, Penske can't execute on a pit stop. Scott Dixon is out wrecking. What the hell's going to happen next? Um, Joseph Newgarden and Axe Rossi put a beat him down on the field. Goodness. A Big one. Oh, goodness, yeah. Uh, there was a chance that Takuma Sato might be in the midst, but once he and Felix Rosenquist began to tussle right after the restart, then Newgarden and Rossi just broke away. Yeah, they were in a different league. I think we only had about 12 to 13 laps of green flag running at the end of the race, and first and second were separated by 0.8 of a second. Takuma Sato was 11.4 off the victory. Like, Newgarden and Rossi were in a different postcode compared to everybody else. Yeah, on the first lap, um, Sato fancied a move up the inside of Rossi and then almost got passed by Rosenquist. And that was as close as Sato would get to second place. Good old Sato. Gotta try a risky move. No attack, no chance. Um, no attack, no chance, everybody. Um, yes, uh, and yeah, Rossi and Newgarden were in a field of their own. They were dicing for the win all the way through, and it was Joseph Newgarden who came out on top. I mean, Rossi was immediately salty, saying, hey, you can't pass off the racing line because the track was still being wet, so, you know, there was nothing I could do. It was one line racing, but in any case, a complete exhibition by by Newgarden and Rossi, just how much faster compared to the field they were on this one. I mean, if you saw qualifying, like, Rossi was, I think, eight tenths faster than everybody else on Saturday. Yeah, goodness, like, he put he when, put down a massive lap in Saturday qualifying. You know, before the weather got really bad. Yeah, like 
Rossi, what like when he's dialed in, Rossi, there is no parallel in this series. It's like Long Beach. It's like he's, he's just utterly invincible when he's dialed in um, on a track that he likes. And uh, and yeah, the only thing that stopped him this time was the rear end of New Garden's car. More on that later. Um, but a quick rundown of race one. New Garden winning from Rossi and Takuma Sato in third. Felix Rosenquist of his best IndyCar finish to date in fourth. Um, Ryan Hunter Ray in fifth. He was one of the guys who lost out um, in, in the in the pack-up shuffle we had. We mentioned Andretti earlier, but it still would come through to finish in fifth. Simon Pagano in sixth ahead of Graham Rahal in seventh. Veach at the Beach in eighth. James Hinchcliffe in ninth. Spencer Piggott rounding off the top ten. Ahead of Borde, Colton Herter, Marcus Eriksson, 13th, Pado Award, 14th, Canard in 15th, Paul Marco in 16th, Chilton in 17th, Will Power in 18th. I'm um, getting the car running again after he stalled off the side of the road. Um, Sina Ferrucci in 19th, Ed Jones, 20th. He hit the wall at one point, uh, as did Matt Leist on the first lap after the initial restart. He put it in the fence. Um, and Scott Dixon, who, yes, made an error on his own. I still can't quite believe that myself. A great race, given it only had one lead change the entire way through. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing, huh? Yeah, uh, it was it was a really good television. Somehow, oh, okay. somehow, in some ways, Sunday managed to top it. Oh, Lord. Race number two. Race number two. We had a whole six lead changes this time round. Huzzah! But uh, we had what I like to call, kids, the big one at Detroit um, on the opening lap, um, where... It's like King, we had four different accidents all take place at once. It was beautiful. It was like synchronized crashing. <laughs> it was mainly because, like, you know, once a car goes around in turn one, there's there's nowhere to go. <laughs> yes, it's like there's only really two lines through that corner. You could you, like you can't go three wide around turn three. You, you, you just can't do it. You're like it's bound to go wrong if. Uh, if if something happens, uh, we haven't even talked about the other dramatic one yet. Yeah. But uh, whew, um, we had about five different incidents going into going into that on the opening lap. Um, uh, just power clips Bordes as 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 Rosenquist qu- Rosenquist clips power as a word is turned around by Rosenquist car and Simon Pagano, your Indianapolis 500 winner, can't get out of the way of a word and neither can Tony Kanan. Yeah, Pagano gets gets driven into from behind. Kanan sideways. Award is sideways at one point. Um, power outbreaks himself, and then just chaos ensues, basically. Um, as a result of the shakeout, only one car actually failed to well, actually failed to continue. That was Tony Kanan. Everybody else was able to get their cars repaired and you know at least continue to run for the sake of you know more points. Yeah, though um, it was effectively uh, the end of Simon Pagano's race. Yeah, you're not coming back from yeah. twelve laps down. Yeah, Pagano was twelve laps down. Um, he was the biggest victim in all of that, really, in terms of you know, quote unquote, title implications <laughs> and all that fun stuff. Somehow things got even weirder on lap fifteen. Yes, oh, good lord, um, we were getting into the pit window. I mean, we had the strategic elements at play. All the guys that started on the red alternate tire. We were told their tires would last about 12 to 15 laps. If you wanted to, if you wanted to two stop, you might just be able to do it on a on a, on a set of reds at the start. 
Turns out those tyres got chewed up worse than we thought, and by lap 10, Dixon, who was still leading at the front compared to the majority of the field who had, who had got off their red tyres as soon as possible and turned it into a two-stop race, um, the guys that were on the red tyre completely fell off. Dixon was able to dive into the pits, while behind him, chaos reigned as Spencer Piggott and Sebastian Bourdais Pickett makes a last-minute call to bolt into the pit lane. Bourdais misjudges the closing speed, and we almost got Mark Webber at Valencia that one time. Um, Bourdais nearly did a backflip, driving over the rear end of Pickett's car. They, um, it was ugly. Pickett was immediately out of the race. Bourdais was able to continue after doing a couple of circuits without a front wing. Don't ask me how. Um, but, uh, yeah, Pickett was put in the wall. Bourdais did basically did a wheelie about eight feet in the air um was able to continue again don't ask me how that brought out another caution um, and somehow out of all of this uh the people's champion and your indianapolis 500 rookie of the year santino ferrucci cycled to the lead and held it for a good few laps 20 I of mean, them in fact yeah, he led 20 laps of this race. Everyone's favorite racist. Um, <laughs> oh, but, uh, um, but, uh, um, yeah, Ferrucci led the way. He held off Graham Rahal, who was also off sequence, because they started on the black tire compared to the majority of the field who didn't. Um, and Ferrucci looked like he had half a shot at winning at one point. He really did. And we ended up having a bit of a cycle on pit road. Um, but um, we had strategy come into play again. We had Rossi and Newgarden try to undercut each other um, by coming off their black tyres first. James Hinchcliffe decided to run longer. He was the third guy. He was in a net third place after his fifth in qualifying. Hinchcliffe comes out of the pit lane. He effectively chop-blocked um, Newgarden out of turn two, which, you know, borderline legal. We, we, we'll let that go. Yeah. They're on the run down towards turn three. It's virtually three wide. New Garden's committed to the inside lane to try and overtake that into turn three. Alex Rossi's even further to the right, hoping something goes wrong. Yeah. Hinchcliffe... Yeah, J Hitch is already on his defensive line. Yeah. Hinch is committed to the middle of the track. Like, Newgarden's committed to the inside. Like, Hinchcliffe knows that Newgarden has gone in too hot. He's given Newgarden enough room for a safe cutback attempt. He does this, but in the meantime, Newgarden loses control of his car. He goes into the wall. Meanwhile, behind him, Alex Rossi, who, and I quote, according to Rossi himself, backed out of it um, in turn three. <laughs> He himself spins further back. He's lost control of his car. He spins. He knocks into Hinchcliffe. He knocks into the side pod of Newgarden's car. And then we have a free car caution. Rossi is able to drive away. Newgarden had to go into the pits for repairs. And he would be coming up several laps down. 21 in the end. Um, by the time it was all said and done. And Hinchcliffe himself lost a lap having his car repaired in the pits because his rear wing was badly damaged by Rossi's contact. And breathe, <sighs> basically. Again, this in is going to be a the very awkward episode of some other podcast hosted by two of the three protagonists in this incident. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, from the best I could piece together from the accounts of what they were saying after the race, 
New Garden pretty much held his hand up and blamed himself. He admitted he'd gone in too hot. He basically said he was too impatient, made a bit of a reckless decision to go down the inside and try to pass him right away. He probably didn't need to. Um, he owned up to his side of the ear, to his at least portion of the blame. Hinchcliffe was like, well, I can't, I never saw the replay, I can't tell what happened, Newgarden had gone, had committed, but I knew I'd given him enough room, which he did, <laughs> in, in all fairness, um, it was good hard racing between the two, and there was, there was, you know, there was no contact made until Rossi got involved, um, <laughs> Alex Rossi was like, I backed out of it, in what universe, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> Houseway. There, there are so many different universes. There's the universe of what actually happened. There's the Alex Rossi universe of I backed out of it. There was the other universe where Rossi took out both cars. I. It was look, a mess. New Garden. It's a mess. In real time, and again, as my replays proved, New Garden and Rossi lost control of their cars on their own. Yep. Like. There was no contact involved until after both cars had already lost control. Newgarden was going straight for the wall. Rossi had lost it and was go- and was in the middle of a spin when he hit Hinchcliffe. Hinchcliffe is probably the only totally innocent party here. <laughs> and, of course, it all just shakes out where Newgarden's fucked. Hinchcliffe has been screwed out of what could have been a race victory, um, basically. And Rossi gets to drive off and finishes the race in fifth. <laughs> now... Full disclosure, Hinchcliffe's my favourite driver in the field. Mm. I was pissed. <laughs> I was livid. As Vic points out on the Discord, an eye may have twitched. <laughs> just, just like, what the f- How many times is Alex Rossi going to go too far on one of his audacious passing attempts and then get away with it totally scot-free because he's Alex Rossi? I'm getting sick and tired of this king. Well, I mean... <laughs> this is like the fifth time this has happened now. I mean... He he crashed into another crash, so... It wasn't... It wasn't 100% his fault. So this car crashed into this other car... And then <laughs> crashed, already crashed Yes. <laughs> it's like three guys go three wide into, this, into the slowest corner on the racetrack, and, Hinch- and Hinchcliffe came off the worst of it. They were just trying to do their best impression of Mugello, and, you know, that didn't really <laughs> work And failed out. miserably. Yes. <laughs> because they had uh, okay, twice like, tires. RJ, come get your mans. I never have to say this about Joseph Newgarden, but get your mans. No, that, no that's, <laughs> that's entirely fair. And especially for Pletzig after well, how well he did Saturday. Uh, speaking of drivers who did fairly well on Saturday and then completely came off the boil Sunday... With about go with on. about six laps to go, Felix Rosenquist, while running a while running a pretty good race, um, clips the rear tire on the t- on the uh, uh, clips the barrier with his rear tire uh, that already deranges his steering, and then he has a high speed wipeout into turn one with six to go. Yeah, it looks like he had already broken the toe link somewhere earlier on in the lap, by the looks of it. Um, because uh, uh, the steering rack was uh, props to Paul Tracy for pointing this out. The steering rack was already already was bent 
before he'd even had the accident. Um, they showed it on replay. The, the reel was bent one way already, so it looks like he'd already made contact somewhere else earlier in the lap, and by the time he's gotten to turn one, um, he's completely in the fence. That brought out a red flag so that IndyCar could guarantee a, a green flag finish, basically. Because by the time they cleaned that car, they probably wouldn't have had time. Because there was only five laps to go by that point. So they red flagged it, mm -hmm. put everybody in pit road. They That was their way of basically forcing a green flag finish, essentially. Um, and uh, yeah, about 20 minutes later, after they, they cleaned up Felix's car and the internet turned on him completely. Like, oh my god, Felix is actually kind of sloppy here, um, basically. He was supposed to win just fine 24 hours ago. I know he's got. Yeah, it's like we forgot. Yeah, it's like he, I know he's got to stop wrecking, but if Chip goes through young drivers, he's not going to have anybody else to pick from. Take your time. It's true. Can't it's wait on. for 2025. Chip Ganassi driver. Uh, fucking Ty Dillon. Get you in the car. <laughs> and what sure, fucking universe is one of Richard <laughs> Childress's grandchildren going to be driving in any car? Because Chip Ganassi literally picked all of their 500 impossible drivers. Your, your motorsport manager save is corrupted, kid. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't even have NASCAR loaded up on the save. I didn't even know there was a stock car mode in that game. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. So, somebody get King his mans, too. Um, uh, King.exe is developed to vault, says Vic in the Discord chat. Which, yeah, sounds about right. So, yeah, we had... Uh, a green, a green, white checkers finish, effectively to, to borrow an NASCAR pun there, and of course, who else at the front who got his way up there and then didn't give it up? Of course, it's Scott fucking Dixon. Of course, every time. Every yes, it is. Time. It is the companion of the New Zealand Order of Merit himself, Scott Dixon. On Two steps away from a knife. Yes. No, he's one step away, Trey. He's one step he, away. He oh jumped God. the queue. <laughs> yeah. He got a double promotion from the Queen. It's like it's like we're one step away from calling him Sir Scott Dixon of Pancake Land. <laughs> oh, um, no. Yeah, and he sure did stack it from stacking it in the tires on Saturday to stacking it in victory lane on Sunday. <laughs> But, if anything, the one man that really did steal the headlines um, by finishing in second, Marcus Erickson for Schmidt-Peterson Motorsport, ladies and gentlemen, Woo! in the seven car. Doing it for Robert. Um, uh, a, a fantastic result. The best SPM result so far this season. His first IndyCar podium. He was front-page news in his hometown of Sweden. Um, in, in his homeland of Sweden the day afterwards. So they really have taken to, to, to Marcus back there. A brilliant drive from from the not-so-young 28-year-old Swede. But uh, it, I, I love that they referenced after the race that it was Marcus's first podium since his, since his GP2 days back in 2012. <laughs> seven, seven years ago. And he's... And it's, they said to him, like, you know, Marcus, how did it feel to be in a car that you could actually challenge for the win for for the first time in a while? And he, he absolutely loved it. If there's one thing I've, I've appreciated a lot about Marcus since he got to IndyCar, it's that he has genuinely fallen in love with the series. If you, listen, if you follow him on Instagram and you see his quotes about racing in his first 500, and he has taken to this series and he has completely embraced the culture of it. Also, I need to fact-check NBC. It's actually his first podium since 2013. Oh, yeah, because he did do one wow. more season. Yep. He did, yeah. Gotta be that guy, eh, King? Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
what guy? <laughs> that guy. But uh, no, listen, he, he, he's totally embraced the culture. He's he's loved the series. He's loved. The, he's totally embraced his role as being the other court jester in SPM's camp. Hinchcliffe was the first guy to congratulate him as well um, afterwards as well, which is great to see. A brilliant drive from Marcus Ericsson in second. Ran off the podium in third. Will Power, who had shuffled his way back up to the front. Um, yeah, his car came to a stop after that first lap pileup. His gearbox was messed up. His car stalled, yeah. and he comes back to finish in third. <laughs> I can't figure out Will yeah. Power's season. It's it's just ridiculous. It's It's just ridiculous. And he's still within range of of the of the title lead. I don't understand Will Power's year. It's a very bizarre season. But here we are, Ryan Hunter Ray, who finished in fourth with a flat tire at the end. What? <laughs> 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 and apparently, this was during the red flag because he mentioned it in his post race interview where he was like, "It's not good. We're in a red flag and we're standing still because the tire just deflates faster." <laughs> he. F- he felt it going down during the red flag period, so Hunter Ray knew he was coming back on track with a with a with a with a flat tire. Still finished in fourth ahead of Alex Rossi. That is some incredible defensive driving from Ryan Hunter Ray. Brilliant stuff from Captain America in fourth place. Alex Rossi in fifth. Marco gets some justice by finishing sick from 19th on the grid in race two. Good for him. Um, Graham Rahal in seventh. He was in the wars all race long. Two top tens for Zach Veach in eighth place. About time he showed up for this season. Um, Seb Bourdais in ninth. Um, somehow after pulling a 50-foot wheelie. And uh, Cicino Ferrucci in the top ten again for the second time in three rounds. He was tenth. Ed of Pado Award, eleventh, who was a lap down at one point but got back on the lead lap and finished in P11. Colton Herter in twelfth. Takuma Sato, who got basically got the executive order treatment in the middle of that race, getting overtaken by literally the entire midfield in 13th. Ed Jones in 14th. Max Chilton, the last of the finishers in 15th place. DNFs for Rosenquest, Pagano, Hinchcliffe. Technically, Pagano finished, but they got his car back out, but he was 12 laps down. Hinchcliffe, whose car died uh, with a technical problem. New Garden, who finished 21 laps down. Um... Um, Matt Leist, who again did not finish. Spencer Piggott, who again was put into the wall by Borde, And Kanan, who didn't make it past the opening lap. One more thing here as well. Only one Chevy in the top ten at the race sponsored by mm. Chevrolet. Mm. <laughs> Welcome to the Detroit. Way to go, Will. <laughs> Way to go, Will. Thanks for listening, by the way, Lewis. Much appreciated, sir. Um, yeah, championship standings real quick. Joseph Newgarden. Uh, still, after all that carnage, holds the championship lead by 15 points. We're going to reclaim the one! We're going to reclaim the one! It's going to happen! New Garden ahead by 15 points on 3.16. Ahead of Alex Rossi in second on 3.01. Pagano on 2.91. Uh, After sweeping the month of May, Pagano crashing back down to reality. He's 25 off the top on 2.91. Dixon still lurking, still there. Only 52 points back. For Dixon, that's like four, basically. Um, (laughs) Takuba Sato in fifth on 2.55. Power on 2.32, Hunter Ray on 2.19, a gap back now to Hinchcliffe in 8th on 1.79, Rahon on 1.75, and Seb Bourdais rounds off the top 10 on 1.65 ahead of 
Frozen Quest by two points. Who's a point ahead of Spencer Piggott on 162? Who's a point ahead of Ferrucci in 13th on 161? That lower midfield is close, folks. Close. We'll be back for IndyCar this weekend. We'll all talk a little bit more about that as well. It's the Texas 600-kilometer race um, this weekend on June 8th. Looking forward to that. Gentlemen, shall we do the news before we get out of here? It's not a lot to, to get through, but... Uh, yes. We had, we had a new world record set today, folks. Yes, a new track record set at the Nürburgring Nordschleife. Well, it's not the outright track record, it's the electric track record. Tell me more, King. So, you you guys remember the, the Volkswagen IDR that broke the, that broke the outright record at Pikes Peak? Oh, yes, we did. That was awesome. Oh, yeah. Well, the IDR is back, and it's revamped to try to take on the Nürburgring. And again, Romain Dumas is behind the wheel, and they set a new they set a new track record. So the previous track record uh, was set back in 2017 by Peter Dunbreck in a Neo uh, EP9 I remember supercar. that one, yeah. Yes. Mm. Me too. So it beat the previous track record by 40 and a half seconds. <laughs> the new Good track record job. is a is a six minute five second lap. They did the Nurburgring in six minutes and five seconds. Yes, all electric. That's that's that, that that's preposterous. <laughs> <laughs> That's biblical. How the hell have they done that? Mainly, yeah. uh, mainly they. This obviously not being Pike's Peak. This is much longer lap, more focused on high speeds. So this, so they're they pretty much set up a low drag car that effectively also had a DRS system to try to get as much of get as much straight line speed out of this car as possible. Dumont was averaging hundred twenty eight point six miles per hour. According to the Road and Track article, a hundred and hundred what? One hundred and twenty-eight point six around the ring in an electric car. And can I tell you where this puts him? That puts this car was quicker than the long-standing lap record of the the Magic Sits Eleven from Stefan Beloff in a Porsche nine five sits in nineteen eighty three in an electric car. Yeah. Yes. With an average lap speed of one hundred and twenty-eight at the Nordschleife. Yeah. That's preposterous. That's ridiculous. How is that possible? That's just... That, that, that's mind-bending stuff. Yeah, and I know before anybody asked, yes, they fell 40 seconds short of the 919 Evo's lap, but that wasn't the record no they one were trying cares. to shoot for anyway. That yeah. wasn't the record they were aiming for. No one cares. Was awesome. This was awesome. God. Give Romain Dumas a knighthood. Give him Scott Dixon's knighthood. <laughs> This is insane! If you haven't seen it, again, there is a full onboard of this record lap um, on motorsport.com. I'm sure it'll be on all the good social media platforms very, very soon as well. Um, I'm watching it right now on motorsport.com. It is unbelievable to it watch. Just it just grips and grips and grips <sighs> through the quarters. God! The quarter... 
the cornering speed on this thing is, and the instant torque that comes out of the engine, it's utterly bonkers. 6.05.33, hugs all round in the back. That's just, oh, it's utterly incredible. What a, Ramendu Masca drive a race car. That is, uh, that is incredible stuff. Mind-bending. Well done, Roman, and well done, Volkswagen Motorsport. That is, uh, that is epic. I, I love shit like this. I really do. I love, I love experiments. I love opening Pandora's box. Like I remember, I remember still watching Timo Bernhardt when he had that record lap in the 919 Evo in the end. This is every bit as impressive. It doesn't matter what the time is. Just unbelievable stuff. Just awesome, awesome stuff to watch. Beautiful. I love motorsport for little things like that. And uh, yeah, it's just a. Uh, just brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Love it. Love it. More. <laughs> More of it. Also put it in GT Sport with the next update, please. And thanks. Yes. Yes, please. That'd be fun. Should we talk about uh, Honda putting more evil on Chevrolet at a Chevrolet-sponsored event? Oh, just, just burying Detroit today. <laughs> yeah, as it was uh, as it was Acura Team Penske, Juan Pablo Montoya from a record pole position lap, and co-driver Dane Cameron uh, overcoming the Brazilian striker duo of Pepe Durrani and Felipe Nazar to win the Chevrolet Sports Car Classic held in between Saturday qualifying and the Saturday race uh, at the duel in Detroit. Awesome. Can we also shout out as well, Lee Diffie was pulling double duty, and so was Townsend Bell, who finished on the podium in the GT Daytona class, then went right up to the commentary <laughs> bots. <laughs> Should have brought the trophy with him. I know, flat I know, right? Should have brought the trophy with him. Um, other um, other championship events that we don't regularly cover at late, Oit Tanek won the Rally Portugal um, that, so that, uh, so that title fight is, uh, is getting to be really, really fun. That is, I believe that is Tanex. That is Tanex's third win of the season. He's gone back to back after winning in Chile. He's now two points off of Sebastian Oje in, uh, yeah. in the lead. Yeah, it's looking real tight. <laughs> Phrasing. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> NASCAR happened. Let's move yes, on. Yes, NASCAR um, happened at Pocono. That's that's all. Carbush won. Hooray. Um, don't ask him questions about his package. Um, otherwise, we'll get very upset about it, if you may have seen on Twitter. Um, <laughs> should we talk about this weekend coming up? Yeah. Oh, yes. We've got, we got, we got a whole bunch of stuff. We have the Canadian Grand Prix for Formula yes, 1 Yes, where you'll be happy to know that Mercedes-Benz, already blessed with the best chassis in Formula 1, have now brought an engine upgrade that allegedly makes over 1,000 horsepower. 1,020 brakes, apparently. The rich get richer. Fuck me. <laughs> get richer. Just, just... Fuck me sideways, man. Like, come on. You Happy Pride you Month, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Places you can find us one more time. We're on. <laughs> RJ, you're a dead man walking. No. <laughs> RJ's aren't just taking us off the air. <laughs> aren't, aren't we all, if you really think about it? <laughs> Yeah, so Canada's gonna, can, the Canadian Grand Prix's gonna happen. Don't you try and play this down. <laughs> don't, don't even go there. 
It's either this or y'all are going to play the rest of the race down. Yeah, this is, uh, I, I have no, yeah, because Ferrari, you know, they, they ideally have the car. This is one of the few tracks they could probably work at. And then Mercedes just like, uh, actually, no. Fuck you guys. <laughs> It's 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 like Ferrari openly admitted going into this weekend we are not competitive enough and we have nothing to upgrade going forward. Um, it it's it's basically one step away from Bonotto declaring this year null and void. Like all the times we had together were not even shut up, at the mid season. This like this this is round six. I mean like. <laughs> Like, sorry, round seven, I should say, because Monaco was round six, technically, but Jesus. We can't even get the six hours of Canada and a dramatic last lap overtake. I'm sorry, Dre, but we could no. certainly ah! use one. We could use one of those. Maybe with different protagonists at the front. We're not even a further away through the season yet, and this is actually my favorite round on the calendar. I love Canada. I love the circuit Gilles Villeneuve. I, it's my favorite track. It's my favorite round we go to, and I have zero reason to watch this race live, and it breaks my heart. Um, and and it, it, it hurts me so. So another Mercedes 1-2 there. That'll be fun. Have fun with that one, Lewis. Um, IndyCar goes to Texas for the 600, for the Texas 600 round. Yep. That should be Stars fun. Stars at night are big and bright. Deep in the heart, Texas. <laughs> also, this uh, this for our UK viewers is IndyCar after dark. <laughs> Spicy. The DXC oh. Technology 600 where you baby all up and dream of 2016's finish. Ooh, whose bed have your boots been under in Texas? Mmm. <laughs> Spicy. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a late one. I think it's two in the morning for British. Two a.m. And this is if the if the weather cooperates. <laughs> We're not getting a month long rain delay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one month. One month, buddy. Hinchcliffe led that race for an entire month. We stand. Um, <laughs> he led that race for almost three months, yeah. my friend. Yeah, he led that race for three months. <laughs> that will never be. That record will never be beaten. He led a Grand Prix for three months from I'm, June uh, from June twelfth to August twenty seventh. Beautiful. <laughs> we stand. Um, World Superbikes is back this weekend in Haref, so that should be fun. First, yeah. Um, Will Alvaro Bautista get back to winning ways? Probably. Um. <laughs> DTM are back at Mizano. Unfortunately, it won't be at night, but I'm pretty sure Davi's bringing the spotlights. Yes, Andrea Vizioso is filling in this weekend, so that should be fun. Yes, um, and with DTM out- back, the W Series is back. Hooray! Go, Jamie Chadwick! <laughs> Which is now going to be on run. NBC. Thank goodness we have a place to watch it now. Yay! Yes, Tell- after the fact. <laughs> Close enough. For that one, folks. Close enough. Close enough. Yeah, Channel 4, everybody. Um, for that one, for those guys in the UK that, that watch along. Should be a fun weekend, all told. We'll be back to cover it all. The F1 Canadian Grand Prix, IndyCars, DXC Tech 600, World Superbikes in her F. Maybe. And of course, the W Series at Misano. Basically, you can find us one more time. YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Rewatch Day Classics 4, everybody. Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Twitter, 
sport at motorsport underscore 101. Our, first, our personal handles, Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, at Ryan Eric King. You can back us financially on Patreon if you really, really like us. Patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. $5 gets you early access to both this show and... Oh, to both this show. I still miss Bike Live, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Lewis it's was still- just here earlier! It's like he never left us. <laughs> it's gonna be okay. We'll be back for that. Uh, $5 gets you access to this show and some other fun stuff as well. $10 gets you into the supporters club of our Discord server where you get to listen to these shows live as they go out. Massive thanks to Henry, to Black and Mild, to Jason, uh, our shuckle beloved friend, to Cam to uh, Vic and to Rezi who bumped in I think there's something like 4 in the morning Indonesian time just to listen to us you madman what is wrong with you where Um, apparently they sell just the KFC chicken skin as a snack (laughs) why that's like the worst part of KFC chicken (laughs) whoa whoa Honestly, like, okay, it might just be a British thing but like KFC is pretty trash by comparison over here I'm just saying like, like, okay. Oh no, in America, okay, that especially school, holds it up. It might be the best. Like, it might just be a British thing. I don't know. Shut up, Discord. <laughs> <laughs> I am not cancelled. I refuse to be cancelled <laughs> on my own show. So, so what are y'all's opinions on coleslaw? <laughs> Trash. <laughs> trash i'm getting out of here i've been andre harrison they've been ryan king and rj o'connell thank you very much for listening and we'll see you back next week for episode 197 thank you very much for listening we'll catch you guys next time sayonara later y'all bye